Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are UFC 293, live from down under. The NFL season is finally here, the NFC West division. The ACC adds a few new teams to the conference. Football gets kicked off with a bang, recapping week one's biggest games. 25 matchups is the headline this week in college football, predicting who will win week's biggest games. With that, I give you our Chief Fire Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Thursday night, live in the studio, beautiful Delaware, Ohio. Like Colton said, we're going to start off with a little bit of UFC. Um, like Colton said, Sydney, Australia, this this uh, Saturday night, and uh, only one title bout on the uh, card. So I think that's really all we're going to talk about. Since we got a lot of other stuff to get to, we'll kind of give a rundown of this title bout in the middleweight division, which is you know guys that right there at 185 pounds you got the champion uh nigerian israel adesanya this will be his first um title defense since reclaiming the title going up going up against the american sean strickland um is he coming in with a record of 24 and 2 and uh the strickland coming in at 27 5 or yeah 24 2 and so i'm sorry for izzy and 27 5 and 0 for for sean strickland so uh you know that this is going to be, I think there's a little bit of, been a little bit of jar, jawing back and forth in the media between these two. Uh, I guess the champ really doesn't care for the way uh, the American conducts himself in the media. And uh, there has been some controversy there as well. Um, uh, Strickland's a number five ranked guy. And uh, I guess they, it was supposed to be originally uh, the thought was a title bout between the number two fighter, but he just fought in July and, didn't feel like he was prepared to to come back this quick so you know it dropped down to sean strickland you know he's going to get a shot here against uh a guy that they uh call the last style bender mm-hmm. to uh kind of go along with his he's a big fan of the uh chinese anime so yeah. i guess uh you know and sean strickland has a nickname that he doesn't care for very much much they call him tarzan and he doesn't like that (laughs) all right but that's i don't know how that wound up sticking but uh but give me your guys' thoughts on this on this big fight yeah yeah, matt lee start yeah i I think this should be an exciting fight i mean these guys are both heavy-handed you got adesanya of his 24 wins 16 of those have come by knockout strickland of his 27 wins 11 by knockout so i mean these guys are both gonna Swinging for the fences and 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 just I think it's be more of a boxing match than a wrestling match. Um, so you know that that's going to make it exciting. But you know Adesanya, he's he's tough to beat, man. The guy's twenty four and two, and his two losses, both title fights, one up a class mm-hmm. when he moved up to light 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 heavyweight, trying mm-hmm. to trying to secure a title there. So you know, I mean, this guy brings it all every time he's out there. But I mean, the guy he lost his belt to, he got it right back. So right. you know, I mean. The, the, the guy's a tough guy to beat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Strickland's going to have enough for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, Sean Strickland is a guy that he's good enough to make his way up there or, you know, get his chance to, you know, fight with the with the elite guys. But, you know, he's had his chances to, you know, take the belt or, you know, possibly capture a belt. And he always doesn't look as good when it mm-hmm. comes to these, you know, championship fights or, you know, these elite level fights. Um, so it's, yeah, it's one of those things that, 
he's good enough to get up there or, you know, beat the guys he's supposed to beat. But then when it comes against the, you know, the better opponents, he, he usually kind of fades or, you know, isn't, isn't it, uh, you know, at his, at his top level that he needs to be to get over the hump to, to capture the belt or, you know, continue his, uh, vault up the, up the standings. But, you know, at the same time, and Strickland comes into this fight eight and two in his last, last 10 fights. But, you know, like I mentioned, those two kind of losses, um, were two times that he's tried to move up or, you know, become the champion or, you know, kind of pull vault himself up to the top of the rankings against, you know, elite level, uh, fighters. So, you know, it, like I mentioned, he, he can beat the guys he's supposed to beat, but then, you know, against the elite guys, he, he really just kind of struggles. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, uh, in, in his, you know, last six fights, he's gone the five round, you know, championship distance that you, you know, typically do for a title title fight. He's done that four out of his last six fights. So it's a guy that, you know, can stand in there with the best of them and can go, you know, can go the distance or has the ability to, to, to stand in there and, and has the stamina to hold up for an entire five round, five round fight. But uh, yeah, Adesanya is a, a different monster when it comes to, you know, trying to, trying to take him down, shake him, take him out. Um, and, you know, you would think, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, yeah, Nigerian born, um, but actually ever since he started training in the MMA at, you know, at 21 years old, actually has lived in New Zealand. New Zealand so, yeah. um, you know, he's used to that, you know, down under, or, you know, close to out there, whatever. Um, and, and, and for him, you know, I would, I would almost consider Australia like a second home uh, for the him because in his, in his career, He's undefeated when he fights in Australia. Oh wow! Five and zero in MMA, and then two and zero in in his kickboxing career when he had to fight, you know, in Australia. So, um, and he's had some pretty pretty big wins uh, in in Australia. A lot of those fights in his MMA career have all five of those wins have been you know memorable moments in his in his career. So, definitely, Sean Strickland's got got his hands full in in this one. Um, you know, ultimately, I I just think Israel's. A, a different animal, different beast in, in this one. I just don't think Sean has, has the stuff to, uh, you know, overtake Izzy as, as the champ, um, in this, you know, in this, in this fight. Um, uh, but you know, going to be, going to be interesting. Um, first time that, you know, MMA since 2017 is returning to Sydney. So mm-hmm. I expect the, the Aussies to be, be wild, uh, you know, to, to, you know, ring in, uh, MMA coming back here for, for, you know, first time in a long, in a long time. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, ultimately I like, I like Izzy to, to get the win here. Um, just yeah, better, better overall fighter. I think I got to agree with both of you on that. Uh, you know, as much as I'd like to see a guy from the United States take the title, I think like Colton said, Sean's going to have his hands full. Um, but you know, like Matt said, also big hitters from both of these guys are both big hitters and it only takes one good one. You right. know? Catch so, him by surprise. You yeah, never know. Catch him, catch him with a good one. So we'll see. It should be interesting. All right. Uh, well, you know, pro football starts tonight and, you know, we're down to our last, our last um, conference that we're going to preview before the season starts here. And that, that'd be the NFC West. Um, you got the 49ers, you know, the champs from last season in the NFC West, Seattle, the Rams and uh, the Cardinals. So, uh, you know, the, the 49ers, uh, you know, they, uh, they were the champs. Well, you guys, I'll let Colton, I'll let you get started and uh, we'll see if we think anybody can knock San Fran out of the, out of the number one spot there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start with a, with a team that was uh, pretty, pretty disappointing in that NFC West division. That's the the Los Angeles Rams. Um, The team that finished five and 12 last year, finished 
actually, you know, didn't finish last with that, with that, you know, bad record or whatever. But I mean, this was a team that the year prior won the Super Bowl, yeah. you know, and brought back pretty much the entire team that they had from that Super Bowl winning team. So, um, you know, Vegas liked them. Uh, they, they gave them a 10 and a half win projection for, from last, for last year. Um, and obviously fell way short of those expectations. And on top of that, gave them the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl last year. Um, but a team that just, yeah, was not able to put it all, put it all together. Just was not the same team that we saw, you know, uh, two years ago that was able to put it together to win, to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, going into kind of their week seven by, they were sitting at 500, three and three. Um, and still, you know, in the hunt for the playoffs. And then right after that, they lost seven straight games and pretty much, you know, knocked themselves out of playoff contention with that, you know, losing streak. Um, so, you know, for, for the Rams, uh, a little bit different uh, offseason for them, a team that, you know, is used to signing kind of the premier free agents or bringing in, you know, big guys. Uh, they they lost a lot of guys. They sent a lot of guys packing and, uh, you know, didn't bring in, you know, I have literally additions I literally have none written because wow. it's a team that yeah I mean Brett Rippian uh, a backup you know quarterback a guy that's been a backup QB everywhere mm-hmm. their biggest you know wow. addition if you could make one they lost a ton of guys free agents wise um, but you know they kind of switched the narrative I mean this is a, a Rams team that again traded away a lot of their picks to bring in free agents but they made 14 14 draft selections in this past NFL draft uh, was the most of any any of the teams. Unfortunately for the Rams, they were late, late, late picks. No first rounders, and they only had one pick. Uh, let's see, where was it? Uh, one pick, like within the top, yeah, one pick inside the top 75. Yeah. So you know, even though they had a lot of picks, it was coming, for, you know, later round, third, fourth, you know, and and on. So you know it it's very rare you're going to, you know, have that many picks and hit on all of those kind of late rounder guys. You may find one or two that that pan out or whatever, but with the 14 picks that they had, I think it's just, yeah, a a struggle for them. But, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of key losses to me that they, that they lost from the, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, which is, you know, surprising for this Rams team, because again, they've been the last several years, last, you know, five, 10 years have been, a solid defensive team of, you know, top five, top 10 defensive unit every year, but they lost the likes of uh, Jalen Ramsey in a trade, you know, to the dolphins Uh, lost Bobby Wagner, who had 140 tackles for him last year. And, and on top of that, they saw Bobby Wagner go back to a division opponent, go back to the Seahawks um, who I'll talk about in a minute. So, you know, several of the guys that they lost, they lost them to inner division teams. So it's, it's, you know, tough, tough to lose, you know, lose that that level of talent, but then also lose them to, to teams that, you know, play within your own division. So, you know, for me, this is, this is a, you know, a Rams, a Rams team that again, I don't, I don't see them winning very many games next Mm. year. Um, I think they, they actually regress even more um, and, and, you know, not by much, but go probably about four, four and 13 next year, because I just, I think the offense will be, you know, will be okay. You know, Stafford, obviously, Cooper Cup, you know, things will be okay on the offense. I just think that they lost so much on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. I mean, obviously, they still have Aaron Donald to, you know, key the uh, the defensive line, but 
he's only one guy. I mean, and, and so. yeah, I think it, they he, did. He's not a corner. He can't stop the right, pass. Right. Either. Yeah. He can't, uh, he can't be everywhere. Him. So I just think that, yeah, on a, on the, from the defensive side of the ball, I think this Rams team just lost too much talent, too much veteran leadership on that side that this team's going to take a, take a step back and they won't finish last in the division, but they, they definitely will be there, be there towards the bottom for sure. And so. if it is that bad, do you envision a fire sale coming about mid season with guys like Cooper cup, Aaron, and Bradford, you know, going out the door. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, Donald, I don't, I don't know. Um, for me, I think, I think he was contemplating retirement. You know, mm-hmm. after they won the Super Bowl, whatever. So we'll see with with him. I don't, I don't know if they'll if they'll fire sale um, exactly. But uh, you know, we'll be we'll be interesting to see uh, where this team lies here. You know, first, you know, three four weeks into the season, mm-hmm. what uh, the kind of the mindset is, just because. There is quite a bit of, you know, still star players there left that they can probably get some of those first rounders back or try to, you know, get get some of those first round picks back that they traded away to to get some of these top elite level guys. But uh yeah, could be could be definitely an interesting thing for the Rams, you know, to we'll see how the how the season plays out. But uh yeah, definitely something to watch for, you know, mid season if right. they go on a go on a yard sale. So <clears throat> Matt, who you got? Yeah, so I, I got the, the one team that finished worse than the Rams a year ago, and that's yeah. the Arizona Cardinals who finished at 4-13. and 13. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got some additions, but it's not much. They brought in Kelvin Beecham, tackle, Will Hernandez, a guard, and Kaiser White, a linebacker. Then through their drafts, they got Paris Johnson Jr., a tackle out of Ohio State, and B.J. Ojolari, an edge rusher. So, yeah, I mean, they made some nice draft picks. I, I think they, they – got some quality out of wh- where they ended up in the draft a year ago. Mm-hmm. But then they also had some subtractions this offseason and defensive lineman Zach Allen going out the door and cornerback Byron Murphy also leaving. So, you know, I, I don't look for this team to be much better this year than they, they were a year ago because mm-hmm. the problem is Kyler Murray's still not healthy. Mm-hmm. He, he may not play this whole year as oh, well. Dear. So, I mean, you got your franchise quarterback sitting out. Yeah. That doesn't spell good news. Yeah. And looking at this schedule, it's not an easy one. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they start the season at Washington, then they're home against New York, home against Dallas, at San Francisco. I'm not sure I see any wins in those first four. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get any easier. Then they right. play Cincinnati, maybe the Rams. They're, there's their shot, you know. Yeah, then right. they're they're at Seattle. Right. That they are uh, versus Baltimore, at Cleveland, versus Atlanta, at Houston. There, there's maybe another win. Mm-hmm. Uh, then – Versus uh, the Rams at Pittsburgh, mm. versus San Francisco at Chicago at Philadelphia, right. and finishing up versus Seattle, maybe two wins for this team. Mm. It's wow. not looking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That's, that's uh, I think I saw. I think I saw a stat the other day or something with with the Cardinals that they're actually underdogs in every single one of their games, which I is the first that. time that oh. any team has ever been an underdog in all you know all of their games going into a season. So yeah, definitely not looking. Not looking promising for for a Cardinals team. Um, you know, uh, it's yeah, uh, gonna be gonna be interesting to see how they <laughs> manage to even yeah have a football team to go out there and compete. But speaking of them having a football team, did you know that the Arizona Cardinals are the team with the most continuous, the most games continuous as a football operation of huh. any football team? Huh. No, you did not. Thought it'd been somebody like the Bears right, or right. Yeah, long, no. long, long, long story Cardinals. franchise. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, I got the 49ers, and, uh, you know, they finished the top of the league last year at 13-4. and four. Um, You know, the, 
they, they got offensive guru Kyle Shanahan as their coach, you know, and, that, and that's good. That's real good for them. They, you know, and they, they got a the, – the defense is fantastic, you know, and this week they got great news. They just re-signed, you know, Nick Bosa this week, um, making him the highest defensive player ever. Mm-hmm. Five-year, $170 million, 122 and a half of it guaranteed. Right. Um, and they also signed in the offseason the ex-Eagle – Javon Hargrave, you know, let finish the season last year with 11 sacks. Been, you know, spent four years in Pittsburgh first, and then four years in Phila. Now coming, coming out west, and uh, you know, with those two guys coming at you, you got you got issues, I think. So, you know, and then you got two linebackers at um, over 100 apiece last year, and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. So you got you got a defense that that is not going to give up a lot of points. I think. For this team, the question is going to be the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw how how good Brock Purdy played, um, but you know he's coming off of elbow surgery in mm-hmm. the off season. That yeah. you know, obviously in that final game, he couldn't even throw the ball. Right. So right. you know, major elbow surgery. And uh, teams got film on him now. Too. Yeah, They've yeah. And, and that, was, that was the next point I was coming to. Not only to see how he recovers from the injury, but. Uh, you know, second like year Matt said, yeah, yeah, second year, and you know, just like, just like everybody else, teams they know how to defend you after they get some film on you, so they, you know, see your tendencies and watch you doing your reads and, and mm-hmm. such, you know, and they and they traded away Jimmy G and Trey Lance to, you know, big names at the quarterback spot, you mm-hmm. know, putting basically banking their money on Brock, you know, they did sign backup quarterback Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. that's you know had two unsuccessful stints so far with the Jets and the Panthers. Right. But, uh, you know, they, they got some weapons, obviously. Christian McCaffrey, dual threat, yeah. you know, running and catching, coming out of the backfield. They got, you know, probably one of the best receivers in the league in Debo Samuels yeah. and um, uh, probably the second best tight end behind Travis Kelsey and George Kittles, right. in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. you know, they do have a new defensive quarter coordinator this year and Steve Wilkes who's been around the league had a short stint as the head coach mainly been a defensive guy mm-hmm. and uh you know in their third round they signed uh Jake Moody as their place kicker mm-hmm. and was he was an absolute superstar in college mm-hmm. so far he's looked pretty shaky and <laughs> now he's dealing with an injury nice. so right. um you know we'll just have to see right. I you know I think you know they went thirteen and four. I still I still look for them to win their division this yeah. year. Um, but I like I think I'm thinking maybe eleven and six might be a little more realistic mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a number for because you know we're just going to see how this quarterback thing plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Colton, you want to wrap us up with the Seahawks then? Yeah, I got the got the Seahawks. Probably you know a team that finished nine and eight last year. You know, probably one of the biggest surprises you know from from the Seahawks team or you know from the NFL in general. Um, you know, like I said, finished nine and eight. You know, good for second in that division, and were able to sneak into the playoffs. But you know, unfortunately, got their division rivals the 49ers in the first round and got got blown out in that in that first game so unfortunately for them you know weren't able to advance but again a a team that I think yeah was a big big surprise in the sense that you know they traded away their franchise QB and and Russell Wilson and you know got better you know didn't yeah yeah (laughs) didn't didn't think that this was where they were going to be uh definitely 
thought it was going to be the opposite. The Broncos were going to be the better team, and the Seahawks were going to, you know, take a step back. But uh, all the way know, around, yeah. Geno Smith turned out to be, you know, last year at least the, the better quarterback than than Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson was. So you know, we'll we'll see. Obviously, the Seattle has has you know taken the step and invested you know in Geno to be their you know QB going forward. Um, you know, so we'll see again, what, what he's able to do. Um, you know, I, I remember him from his days as a, as a New York jet where, you know, again, the, the talent wasn't always there around him. So, you know, do you, do you blame some of that on, on why he didn't pan out in New York, you know, possibly. Um, but you know, we'll see what he can do now is, you know, the second full year as the starter in Seattle, again, much like, you know, Brock Purdy, a little bit more, a little bit more film, a little bit more, you know, uh, things to kind of key in on with him. So we'll see if he can continue his great play that he had from a, from a year ago with this Seahawks team. But, uh, you know, I think much like the Jets last year, this Seattle team really hit well from their 2022 draft class last year. They they found their two starting tackles um, in, in last year's draft uh, that panned out to be some of the best offensive linemen as rookies, you know, last year. Uh, they found their rusher, their leading rusher in Kenneth Walker the third, um, which was you know turned out to be one of the better better rushers in the in the league. Um, and then also found a found a corner, uh, Tariq Woolen, that was you know up there as one of the best corners in the league as as a rookie. So they definitely you know hit hit very well with that class that they had uh, last year on on all their picks. Um, but it's a team that from a defensive standpoint, struggled to, to stop the run. Um, they finished 30th in, in rushing defense, you know, rushing yards allowed last year. So they definitely got to, got to improve in that division or in that, that, you know, part of the, part of the, uh, part of the game. Uh, like I mentioned, some of the additions that they brought in, you know, Bobby Wagner, longtime, you know, Seattle Seahawk already, you know, making his second stint back here in Seattle. I mean, a guy that had 140 tackles for the Rams last year, uh, two interceptions, six sacks. So, you know, contributed in many, many ways from that linebacker position. Uh, they brought in defensive end Draymond Jones, um, who had uh, 47 tackles for for the Broncos last year, six and a half sacks. Um, so they improved on that defensive side of the ball. They brought in some guys that, you know, can make some tackles, can be all around the field for them. Um, you know, they, they and they still got weapons. Like I said, you know, Kenneth Walker, Averaged almost five yards a carry last year. Uh, they still got, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two thousand yard receivers from last year. So still this this team is is, you know, got the got the chance, got the weapons, got the opportunity to be, you know, be up there towards the top. You know, I think that they improve even from last year. You know, they went nine and eight. I think that they can go eleven and six in this mm. division and really push the 49ers. Well, challenge to, the Niners, yeah, 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 challenge the Niners is you know, the potential, you know, leaders in this, in this division. So I, I think those games between the, the Niners, you know, could be, could be split or, you know, be, could be very, very close in those, in those two games that they'll match up against the, against the 49ers. So yeah, I think, yeah, that, that, I think that's probably the two teams that are probably going to be fighting it out for the, you know, number one spot there. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, them signing Nick Bosa kind of pushes the 49ers over the top. So even though yeah. he did sit out the whole preseason in, in uh, voluntary and mandatory practices, I still think the, the star that he is, um, you know, he comes back and, and you know, has, has an immediate impact on any game that he's in. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I look for a competitive NFC West, though.
All right, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. Don't leave us. We got to pay the bills. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Uh, Now it's time for some college football news going into week two here. Um, First, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the ACC adding three teams, Stanford, Cal, and SMU to the making it an 18-school league and 17 of those with football programs. Uh, This will start the 2024-25 season. Um, I think for the ACC, this was a matter of survival, Mm -hmm. Uh, seeing what, you know, the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12's done the last – you know, year, year and a half here. And, um, but then I think also kind of survival for these teams as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kind of got hung out there on an Island. Um, and I think they had to, they had to sacrifice a lot of money, I think, to be able to get in. I had it, had looked it up where SU gets no TV money for nine years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. And then Cal and Stanford, I'm not sure of the length of how long this is in effect, but at least for the first year, they only get 30% of what they normally would be, um, you know, entitled to as a member of the, of the ACC. So I think the problem for the ACC is their deals already not a very good deal. They're they're not making a ton of money. So I think that's, they they had to do it this way to keep their current members somewhat happy. Yeah. I think, I think you're right because uh, Florida state's been making some noise here recently and none of the other, um, you know, uh, colleges have have kind of got on the bandwagon yet, but uh, they'd like to, of each team getting it you know distributed equally it be distributed based on uh your tv ratings your brand and your marketability which um you know i, I think that's kind of short-sighted in fsu's um the way they're looking at it yeah they're having a good season and they have been you know obviously one of the premier teams in the acc but um you know i think what's what's good for what's good for the everybody's good for the league and good for you too. So I think, you know, that, like I said, they haven't garnered a lot of support for that, uh, for that, you know, change in their distribution of TV monies, but you know, we'll see what happens with that going forward. Cause that was talk of them leaving the ACC at mm-hmm. one point as well. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that with like Matt said, their, their TV deal, you know, not being great compared to some of these other, Mm-hmm. You know, what we're starting to see is these super leagues now. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out going forward. Give me your guys' thoughts. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned with the with the 30%, uh, you know, kind of profit share, you know, whatever, um, that actually for Cal and Stanford, that goes the first seven years in seven the league. Years, so, okay. and then after that, in year eight, it jumps up to 70%. Year nine, we're at 75%. And then year 10, we're at a full, you know, they're at 100% or, you know, whatever. So for me, but for me, if I'm looking at it from a Cal Stanford perspective, 
I mean, is the ACC going to even be around right. in, in, in seven years? But what, what, I mean, what choice? I mean, they yeah, have, they, right? I mean, they I, had I, no, they had no other option. Right, right. It's, it's just one of those things that, yeah, they may never get to that full right. percentage or they may, they may never not make it to the 10th year. Right. Uh, because, you know, at this point, yeah, the ACC was, you know, doing, you know, it works for both teams because, you know, like you mentioned, the ACC is trying to keep their, you know, hopes alive to stay, you know, stay a conference or stay relevant in, in all this conference realignment stuff. But uh, yeah, they're on the outside, definitely the outside looking in because it seems like they almost got everybody's leftovers, mm -hmm. if you will. So I don't know that this, again, moves the needle quite like, you know, some of the big 10 teams that they've added or, you know, the SEC teams that they've, that they've added, uh -huh. um, you know, this just, yeah, just seems like we're going to do anything just to keep the raft above, above water, right. um, you know, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I think again, necessary move by both sides to you know keep them keep them relevant, you know, and uh, it 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 gets very interesting because you know obviously this continues the dismantling of the of the Pac-12 as a as a conference. But you know if you're Washington State and Oregon State, the two teams that are left, I mean, you know, where do you go? What do yeah, you do? what what's you know what's what's going to happen? You know with with that, it's it's you know, definitely uh, going to be interesting for them. You know, do they join them, join the mountain West? Do they just probably you know, become the Kings of the mountain West? Right, so they'd right. be those biggest, biggest schools out there. Right. Right. Or do they, you know, continue as independents or, you know, what do they, how do they, how do they do this? Uh, right. to, you know, keep themselves, keep themselves relevant. Uh, so yeah, definitely for them. It's like, man, who, who will be the last ones? We'll leave. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll turn the light off for you when you, when we leave or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think definitely a necessary move by the ACC and, you know, a necessary move by, you know, definitely Stanford and Cal mm -hmm. to, to join the league to, you know, stay, stay relevant and keep their programs afloat. But uh, yeah, different, definitely different times here. In college football, you know, really sure how much this move helps the ACC in the, in the forms of a football conference, mm -hmm. because I mean, you, you look at the the four major conferences now, and I, I got to think the ACC is number four, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, with with all the schools they have, mm -hmm. they're very top heavy. You know, they've, they've got Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina State, right. you're kind of your big dogs, and everybody yeah. else is very average when it comes to football. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess if you look at this in a holistic lens you, and you throw basketball in there, and the ACC is still a very valuable franchise with mm -hmm. your Dukes, North Carolinas. Right. Now you even have Stanford joining there. That right. helps basketball as well. Right. So I, I mean, I, I think it's 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 still going to be a solid conference. It's going to be around for a while be, mm -hmm. because you have to look at it in more than just the lens of football. Mm -hmm. But as a football conference, I'd say that they're they're number four and and mm -hmm. bringing up the rear. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, good point, Matt. I, yeah. I think you're right about that. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll see how this plays out. You know, hopefully these these uh, teams that are still hanging out there can, you know, come up with a deal to get themselves back in a, in a conference and stay relevant. And, you know, these other conferences don't get squeezed out by the, what's becoming the big three, really. I mean, yeah, the ACC has 18 schools, but like Matt said, when it comes to football, they're not, most of them are not your traditional, mm -hmm. you know, football, football powerhouses yeah. other than Florida state. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Going it's forward. sad. You're going to probably see anything like Oregon, Oregon state again, right, you know, right. because of right. all this realignment, you know, those big civil wars and right. yep. conferences and they're, they're just done. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. yeah. Unfortunate, but yeah. New rivalries will start. Yes. I guess, so. I guess that's one way you to know, look at yeah. it. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's recap our uh, five games from last week. Um, I think me and Matt, 
didn't do so well. <laughs> not so our, much. Our upset special didn't play out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, um, the first game I have was West Virginia and, and Penn State, you know, uh, and Penn State, I guess to me, answered the quarterback questions. That was my big, you know, deal coming in was, uh, you know, Clifford there, you know, not that he was great, but, you know, he was a good quarterback for Penn State. Mm -hmm. And um, just, you know, just bringing in a, a new kid, but, but you know, Drew Aller out of Medina, Ohio. You know, he, he's looked he looked good. Went twenty one, or yeah, 20, 21 out of twenty nine, three hundred twenty five yards and three touchdowns. Nice. I mean, and for a Penn State team to put up thirty five points, that's yeah. almost unheard of anymore. Yeah, they've really been known for their defense right, lately. Right. So, so I mean, uh, you know, I, I was impressed. I did watch some of that game, and and Penn State looked they, good. They looked good. I mean, right. West Virginia, I think, is having a down season this mm -hmm. year. That don't. They're not expected to, you know, kind of get in that mix like they have in recent past. But, uh, you know, I, I was I was impressed with with uh, Penn State's quarterback play. I'd say the one downfall I saw in that game was Penn State started a, a little slow. West yep. Virginia kept it kept it close for a while, yeah. and, and then you know Penn State there towards the end really kind of pulled away. Yeah. I mean, West Virginia was in that game though. They 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 played well for for a team that was expected to lose and lose big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me the difference was uh, was the defense for Penn State. I mean, the offense played well, you know, put up some points, but the defense I think played pretty consistent throughout the entire game. I mean, mm -hmm. through three quarters, uh, you know, this, this defense, you know, forced West Virginia four punts and three turnovers on downs, um, you know, throughout – the entire, you know, game, they, you know, West Virginia went four for 14 on third down. So, you know, I think uh, this Penn State defense really, really held up or, you know, really, really came to came to play. Uh, you know, it, it it was good to good to see Penn State. But, yeah, they, they definitely look like a complete team. You know, Penn State did against, uh, you know, West Virginia, you know, looking like, you know, Penn State, you know, is going to be there in the mix of, you know, winning the Big Ten or, you know, try to try to put their hands in the in the cookie jar, you know, with the Ohio States and the Michigans of the of the world. And, you know, it, it's always been, you know, somewhat high state Michigan at the top and then, you know, Penn State Everybody third else. third place yeah. or, you know, yeah. whatever. But, you know, I think uh, Penn State's, you know, trying to trying to separate that gap or, you know, close the gap a little bit on that. And, um, you know, they 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 did well with the a game to, you know, start off the season, a real, you know, a real banger for them to start out the, start out the season. So. <clears throat> all right. Very good. Well, I think, uh, yeah, we all got that game, right. Um, now, you know, the next, next game was one, I think we all missed, but I think you guys were probably a little more high on, uh, Colorado than I was, but you know, and I'm still not convinced. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that, you know, obviously it's been, been the talk of the town this week of them upsetting number 17, TCU 45 to 42, but, um, you know, I think, I think that comes with a caveat. I think that, you know, there, you can't give up 42 points every game and still expect to win. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, their, their defensive plays obviously got to get better. Shadour Sanders, I'll tell you what, though, he put numbers mm -hmm. 38 to 47, 510 yards and four touchdowns. Right. Um, but you know, you know, I, I thought TCU was maybe ranked a little bit high. You look at, you know, replacing Max Dugan, you know, with a new kid in Chandler Morris and the, the kid threw two picks and, you know, just had kind of a rough day and they still only lost by three points. Mm -hmm. um, here's my thing with Colorado, though. You know, they gave up over seven yards per rush. Mm -hmm. You can't 
and only and a little over a yard mm-hmm. and a half per rush with a total of 55 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get it. They're throw past, all game, every game. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's what a good coach is going to see that and say, shut this, you know, Sanders kid down, cover these, you know, make them run the ball. Uh, and they're going to see, I think, better teams in TCU. Like I said, I thought TCU was a little bit high mm-hmm. anyway. But, you know, good for Dion and, and, and Colorado. They moved into the top 25 this week at, mm-hmm. at number 22. Um, you know, give me give me your guys' thoughts as you watch that game. A game that went back and forth. I know? mean, it was a competitive game. It definitely. was a fun game to watch. Yeah, definitely. If you like if you like offense, this <laughs> yeah, was this was track me. Yeah, it was it was an up and down, you know, kind of thing. But uh, you know, I think yeah, just you know, impressive for Colorado, get their first win, get, you know, kind of that, you know, I don't know, get the elephant out of the room or whatever with can Dion coach at, you know, the division one level or, you know, taking the next step from, you know, an HBCU college to uh you know being a, a big time division right. one program and the same for his son you know going from being an hbcu quarterback to now uh you know a, a real top of the you know top of the you know peer or top of the tier uh division one quarterback and he answered the call but yeah like you said it's gonna the road only gets tougher from here right. you know there's only gonna be more you know tough opponents or you know better defenses to, to match up against down down the road so i don't know i think this week it gets easier for him well that's, yeah that's my yeah. Opinion. yeah maybe so this week but, but they'll, they'll the test they're gonna see better come. teams in yeah. tcu right yeah, there's higher ranked teams you, i don't think you can have i don't think you can be that unbalanced on yeah. offense mm-hmm. you know against against good teams with with athletes on it, both sides and Dion should know this i mean from his years in the nfl he was on those dallas cowboy teams the 49er teams right. that, that were balanced they ran the ball they passed the ball they they mm-hmm. did everything well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the years he had his most success in the NFL, he was on teams that did a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's what you need to be a, a, a championship caliber team. Right. You can't dimensional mm-hmm. and expect to win a championship. You can win a lot of games being one dimensional. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're not going all the way. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think for TCU, what really cost them, you kind of hinted at it, dad was the, the two picks yeah. and not only were two picks, but they were deep in the red zone too. Yeah. Uh, you know, two picks that, you know, could have been points for, for this TCU team. And we're talking about, you know, TCU winning the game instead of Colorado. I mean, the margin was that, that small. Mm-hmm. And you also look at TCU had 10 penalties for 78 yards. So, you know, there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds that, you know, mm-hmm. cost TCU this game, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. So, but, you know, not taking away from what, you know, Colorado was able to do oh, and, no, and, right? and, you know, be able to put up the numbers and, 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 and compete with the, you know, show that they can compete with the big right. boys. I'm not saying that this team's going undefeated and we're talking <laughs> national championship or anything like that, but they came out with this statement and showed that they they have the potential to, to compete with the big boys yeah. for sure. Uh, right. Circus and that hype train just got bigger, right. that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's been the talk. Right. All right, the third game was uh, the battle, battle of the Carolinas, North Carolina against South Carolina, and, you know, Target came out on top 31-17. to 17. Um you know, I think I think for South Carolina, Spencer Radler did his part. Yeah, you know, he, he thirty to thirty nine, three hundred fifty three yards. Um, you know, but uh, I think what what the, you know, is, Colton was kind of keeping me updated on this game. You know, they they turned the ball over on downs four different times. You know, they went over four on fourth down, and here was the big problem: they had minus two yards rushing. Yeah, for that's the game. unheard you're talking of. about unbalanced. How, yeah, yeah, how 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 is that even possible? You know, that, that that's just to me that you can't put I think Rattler, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think he's a good quarterback, but mm-hmm. you can't 
you can't go minus two yards rushing. Well, a lot of that minus two yards rushing had to do with the nine sacks they gave up. Those are yeah. those become negative rush yards right. into yeah, your total, so that didn't help. Yeah, I think, you got to keep him up, right? Yeah, I think even with those nine, like if you take out the nine sacks or you know take out the quarterback, you know sackage yards, I still think they only had eleven rushing yards. Wow. So I mean, even taking that out of the equation, yeah. you barely hit double digits. I think this was a game that all of us got right, but I I thought it was going to be a little bit closer yeah. than mm-hmm. that, but. Again, you know, with the with the struggles on you know running the ball and, and yeah. turning it over on downs, I think was yeah definitely was didn't didn't see North Carolina. I mean, I thought this was going to be kind of a quarterback you know duel, if you will, right. between Drake May and you it, know Spencer. And it really Rattler. was. I yeah, mean, they, they were both. Dealing. I did not expect. I mean, I thought North Carolina's defense would be the difference in this one. They'd come up with a couple more turnovers to be you know to be mm-hmm. the difference. I did not expect them to to be. The nine sacks right. coming there. Negative two yards rushing. Negative two yards rushing. I mean, this and was, it's amazing that Rattler didn't have any picks getting right. sacked nine times. Right. It'd be like, yeah. if I was him, I'd have been just <laughs> chucking it right. to get rid of it. I'm right. tired of winding up on my back. Right. I mean, this is this is a North Carolina defense last year that only had 17 sacks the whole year That's last great. year. Nine they have nine in the first, just... the first game. And, and this was a team that gave up almost – a little over 30 points a game mm-hmm. and gave up almost 500 yards total as a yeah. defense. So, you know, coming into this, I, yeah. Did I think North Carolina was going to be, you know, their defense is going to be the difference? Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't expect it in this, in this right. way. Uh, but yeah, they definitely set the tone early and, you know, if, if they can continue to, you know, be what we saw in this first game and they, they got, you know, some aspirations there in the ACC mm-hmm. to be real, real contenders there. Yeah. yeah. And you got, Duke that got a big win there in the yep. ACC over the weekend. The fourth game we had was South Alabama and Tulane. Uh, this was Matt and I's upset special. And, man, did we get hosed on this yeah, one. I'm yeah. sure did. But you can't turn the ball over five times yep. and expect to win. Yep. I mean, come on, guys. And they only had 265 yards of offense because they kept giving the ball away. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Um, you know, and then you had the quarterback, Mike Pratt from Tulane, he only completed 14 passes, but four of them were for touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, Pretty you easy talk work. about big play, big <laughs> right. play offense there, you know, because he, he he also had those 14 completions gained almost or had almost 300 yards passing and right. on 14 completions. So, you know, I, I, that's that's tough to overcome I think, for a game that we anticipated to be close. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually thought it'd be obviously closer than what it was, but again, five turnovers, you don't come back from no. that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Even tough. though Tulane gave it away three times on right. their own. Right. Yeah. Tough, tough for South Alabama. Sloppy you, game. You, I you know, a, a team that won 10 games last year, you know, had the potential to win 11 and you know, almost, almost won their bowl game. And I mean, this was the, for Tulane, the expectations were high. The hype was high. I mean, this is a, a, a team that, it, for the first time in their program was ranked in the top 20, you know, preseason top 25. So they're playing their first game as a top 25, you know, uh, um, you know, team out there, mm-hmm. you know, you thought maybe all that hype or they'd be a little bit overhyped, but right. they, they came in and set the tone. They, they really did, did well. The defense played well. Um, but yeah, good, good win for Tulane, but they got another tough one. We'll talk about here. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, coming this up in our next season. It's a little bit tougher for yeah. them. So yeah, I mean, does. like I said, coming into that, South Alabama's defense was the, the big talk of the town. I mean, they returned 10 starters off of a team that had one of the best rushing defenses in the country a year ago. Yeah. But clearly they can't defend the pass. <laughs> right, right. That, that yeah. killed them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't defend the end zone, obviously. Big, big, big plays. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. And the last game, you know, was a game that, man, it was a close game through three quarters. Yeah. I, You know, I thought, man, this game's living up to the hype. Number five gets the number eight. And then in the fourth quarter, LSU just fell apart. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and it was, it was, uh, I expected it to be a quarterback duel between, you know, the two seniors and Jaden Daniels for LSU and Jordan Travis for Florida state. And, you know, they both did their part other than Jordan Travis was able to get four of his passes into the end zone mm -hmm. and threw one pick and Jaden only got one TD with one pick. And, but other than that, their, their stats were pretty similar. Mm. Um, I just, you know, and there, there was, well, I'll, I'll get into my next uh, argument about Florida state, but I'll let you guys give me your recap of the game. Yeah. I think for me, the difference in this, in this game was Florida state's Florida state's defense. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, for you know, they forced LSU over three on fourth down, which included, a goal line stand in the first half where LSU from like the half a foot line had six chances yeah, because of a penalty to, to punch yeah. it in there. And they came Couldn't up with it. all those opportunities, stopped them on every single one, uh, you know, and, and, and were able to, you know, come away with no points, um, you know, so this team also had four sacks, you know, five tackles for loss and then had also two turnovers. So I think for me, LSU came in as maybe the more on paper, hype defense or the better defense on, on paper. Mm -hmm. But the, to me, the difference was, you know, Florida state came in and lived up or, you know, played better than what, what people expected. And they were the difference makers, I think, um, especially in this, in this game where, you know, where it was close for a while, but then I think those couple of stops, those couple of fourth down, you know, stops by, by Florida state was really the, the change momentum mm -hmm. for this Florida state. Team. Yeah, and to me, that, that should be a stat that counts as a turnover mm -hmm. in my mind. You yeah. know, I mean, it says they only had two, but right. you stop them three times on fourth down. Right. That, that's five turnovers. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, that, that's a heck of a job by that defense. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, you know, and they, you know, wound up losing by 21 points. So here's my argument. Should Florida state be ranked number one in the country right now? Uh, best week one win, but yeah. I, I don't know that moves you from eight yeah. to one. Pretty, I, I guess, I guess my argument is what else has anybody else done? Right. Alabama didn't do anybody. Michigan did nothing. Ohio state did nothing, right. but you know, win games that they were supposed to win. Right. I, um, I don't mind them, you know, obviously jumping up the rankings like they, like they did. Um, I just, yeah, I think to go from eight all the way to one, you know, yeah, it's an impressive win, you know, but at the same time, it's it's week one. Do we, mm -hmm. it, you know, Florida State could turn around and, you know, I, yeah. I don't even know who they what, play. What if LSU loses their next three games? Right, yeah. They're, they're right. not what we thought yeah, right. they were. Right. Yeah, right. not who, they, who we thought they were. Well, yeah. just, just an argument. There yeah. was there was some talk about that this week, probably mainly from Tallahassee, right. Uh, right. you know, Florida State territory. But uh, I didn't even pay attention. Where, where did they end up? Three. Three. Okay. Three. Yeah, yeah. one of the three. But yeah. uh, which I, I know four, actually four. Alabama, I think, is it jumped it's up to three. three. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Florida State jumped up to four. Some yeah, Buckeyes right. dropped Absolutely. to five, I imagine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but, you know, like, like it's, it's early. Yeah, it's, it's none early. of that matters at this point in the right. season it for doesn't. sure. You just got to keep putting up Ws. Yeah. All right, well, our five games for this week, um, first one being uh, number 13 Notre Dame playing, you know, a North Carolina State team that, you know, has maybe thought they might be a little better team coming into the season or highly, a little better rank coming into the season. But, um you know, and it's Notre Dame's already played two games. Mm -hmm. um, they've outscored their opponents ninety-eight to six. <laughs> um, I, you know that's not fair. It was Tennessee State and Navy, um, mm -hmm. but uh, still a, a ninety-two percent uh, margin or ninety-two points margin. I think, and I think what's different for me for this Notre Dame team is they're getting off to fast starts mm -hmm. this year. They're mm -hmm. not, you know, just kind of hanging around and trying to win them at the end. You, that Sam Hartman has looked really good. Um, what, 33 of 40, 445, six TDs so far. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, I think 
it just, I think the Wolfpack, I think their struggles were, their their offense, I think, really depends on establishing a run game, and, and they just weren't able to do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, or have so far have not been able to do that. Notre Dame's got something else in their favor. They've won straight 28 straight games against ACC teams in the regular season coming in. They're favored by seven and a half. Um, I got the Irish to cover. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got to got to agree. This is going to be, uh, you know, a familiar matchup for these two quarterbacks. Uh, you know, you mentioned Sam Hartman, a transfer from Wake Forest, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming over to Notre Dame and probably one of the better quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback that they've had here as of recent memory. Um, and he's, you know, proven to be, you know, live up to the hype. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, on the North Carolina State side, you got Brendan Armstrong, who staying in the ACC was actually at Virginia, you know, a couple seasons ago. Uh, so, you know, Hartman and, and, you know, Brendan Armstrong have matched up against each other as ACC, uh, you know, opponents and, you know, going to go at it again uh, this, you know, this week as, you know, now Sam Hartman with with Notre Dame. But, yeah, you, you mentioned the 28 straight, you know, regular season wins against ACC opponents, but a streak of some sort is going to be broken here because uh, NC State has a has a little streak of their own going. Mm-hmm. Um, at home, they have won 23 straight home games against non-conference opponents, right. which dates all the way back to 2013. So, you know, something – one of those streaks is getting broken this mm-hmm. week. Unfortunately, I think it's I think it's North Carolina State's, you know, un, you know, consecutive home wins against non-conference opponents. I just don't think that they got – the firepower to keep up with what looks like a, a more complete team in Notre Dame now that they found, you know, a, a better right. for them. <clears throat> yeah. You know, like you both said, Notre Dame's coming to this thing favored by seven and a half and through two games, they're scoring 49 points a game, <laughs> only giving up three, right. you know, NC state's going to be a bigger test than they've faced so far this year, but you know, they're, they're giving up 14 points a game and they're not scoring much more is the problem. Uh, they're not going to be able to keep up even I think they'll hold Notre Dame under that 49 point average, right, right. but th- they're, they're not going to be able to keep enough. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, man. That, like I said, I think their offense depend, depends on establishing a run game and I don't really see that right. getting, getting into, you know, out of first gear against a, a very stout. Well, and that's Dame actually region. what I was most impressed by Notre Dame so far this year in week one, they, they faced the, the military academy there that's known for, you know, running the game, slowing it down, keeping scores low, and they just lit them up. They, yeah. You know, I was I was Army, right? They they couldn't move. Navy, or, Navy. or Navy, sorry. Yeah, it was, I mean, they could they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't get up and down the field. It was just it was they didn't total dominance. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Notre Dame seems to be the real deal. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the noon game on Saturday. Then our next one is a three thirty game on Saturday. Uh, number twenty, Ole Miss coming going into Tulane. Yulman Stadium again, number 24, Tulane. Um, Ole Miss had 525 yards of offense so far and only given up 235. Uh, this is going to be a little tougher, though, I think, for Ole Miss going into this. There Again, this is another game at the spread seven and a half. You know, um, the big thing, I think, for both teams, even though they're both from the south, it's supposed to be 94 degrees at game time. Mm down there and that not only the heat but the humidity you know in new orleans so you know having your guys prepped and ready to play and hydrated and you know stay out of those cramping situations and the injuries that come with getting tired but uh 
you know, I, I still like Old Miss, but I think I think it's going to be a tight one, especially you know with Tulane playing at home. I'm not, I think Old Miss wins, but I'm not sure they covered that seven and a half. Yeah, you know, look at, looking at this game, Tulane and in, in their Week One matchup, they put up 73 points. Now, granted, it was against Mercer, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I mean, Tulane, what was it, 30, 30 something last week? Yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah. it was a, a better defense than right. what Mercer is, but. Right. I, I think Ole Miss just has way too much offensive firepower here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Tulane keeps up. I think Ole Miss covers the spread and, and beat. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, make it three for three. I like Ole Miss to win this win this game. I mean, this is an Ole Miss team that two years ago matched up against a Tulane team that beat them 61 to 21. Now, obviously, that same year, this was a Tulane team that went two and ten. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we saw what they did last year. Uh what a turnaround. They went 12-2 and two last year, won their conference, beat a highly talented USC team in the bowl game. Uh, so, you know, they they obviously have turned things around in a short short amount of time. So definitely do not see Ole Miss running away with this game in any any way, shape, or form. But I just, you know, like the athletes that, that uh, you know, Ole Miss has on, on both sides of the ball. I think this is just a little bit too big of a matchup for, for Tulane. But I think Tulane can keep it can keep it close. I think that they, you know, I think Ole Miss wins the game, but you know, Tulane can keep it can keep a close one here. All right, very good. Third one, um, t- number twenty three or twenty third ranked Texas A and M. Another three thirty game going into, you know, South Florida against Miami. You know, going up against the Hurricanes. Um, I'll let you guys start off, and then I'll finish up on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Texas A and M, you know, comes into this game favored by only only four points, uh, but. You know, both teams started off with impressive wins in, in week one. Uh, Texas A&M team that put up 52 in their home, in their home opener against New Mexico, uh, which, you know, you say, okay, it's New Mexico, you know, whatever. But I think it's for Texas A&M fans, that's, it's a breath of fresh air to see that their offense was able to mm-hmm. score some points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, last year, this team didn't, you know, failed to score more than 28 points except for one time, and that was at the very end of the season last year. So they never scored over 28 all of last season. They scored 52 in this one. They brought in Bobby Petrino, you know, the legendary, you know, head coach that we've seen in college football to be Mm -hmm. their offensive coordinator. Week one, it looks like he's turned the offense around. You know, we'll see what they can do against a a Miami Hurricanes defense that I think is – is one of the best in the country or maybe not talked about as much with as much talent as they got that came back from last year. Um, so this is definitely going to be, mm-hmm. yeah, a real test for, for Texas A&M going on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think this is upset alert here. I think I like Miami to take this one and get the, get the W at home over the, over the Aggies. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go not so fast. My friend, like you said, Texas A&M brought a new offense coordinator and their offense looks like a, a whole new team. And you know, I think that's going to be the difference in this game. I think quarterback Connor Wegman, he looked special last week. He went 18 to 23 through for 236 yards, five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a heck of a game thrown for five TDs. He puts up even half that effort against this Miami team. I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think Texas A&M, you know, covers that four point spread and wins. Okay. Well, yeah, to go along with what Matt said, he also had a QBR of 97.2, which is good for first right now in the, in uh, college football. But, I'm going to I'm going to maybe jump on the upset bandwagon here a little bit and I'll tell you why. One, two reasons. One, I think what Colton said there a lot of returning starters off a of very stout defense and a balanced attack. 
243 yards in the air, 250 yards rushing, and they're at home. I like the U in this upset special. All right. Uh, uh, let's see. Number four game, number 11, Texas, against number three, Alabama. Alabama's at home and only seven points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers from Texas has looked good so far. Three touchdown passes. But they have a pass-heavy offense, two to one, like yards passing, their yards rushing. And, you know, this being in Tuscaloosa and them relying on that, a heavy pass offense and Nick Saban being the genius I think that he is, I think he he keys, he tees on that and, and takes away that some of that passing game away from a Texas team that, you know, won't be able to sustain drives without without a good rushing attack. So I got Bama to cover the spread. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I mean, both these teams look good in their week one matchup, but Nick Saban and Alabama is coming into the season with something to prove. They're missing the playoffs a year ago. They thought they should have been in. And then last year, this game against Texas was much closer than anybody thought it would be. Alabama's looking for some redemption. They're trying to prove themselves. I, I think seven's not near enough. I, I think this could be almost blowout time. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're they're going to be that end of this game. They're coming to play. They're at home. Yeah. I think this could get ugly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a night I, game too. I didn't mention that seven o'clock game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I you do. Know, the, the fans will be ready. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like Alabama to win win this game. I think that Texas can keep it can keep it close, fellas. I mean, this was a a Quinn Ewers, you know, Quinn Ewers uh, Texas team that you know if he hadn't gotten knocked out in that game last mm-hmm. year, this we're talking Texas probably blows out Alabama last year. And as long as he can stay healthy in this one, I think he can attack kind of a weaker secondary that Alabama has. I just think the difference, Alabama playing playing at home, have that home crowd behind you. Uh, you know, another thing, another stat to throw out there, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, the coach for, for Texas, um, was a former, you know, assistant coach under Nick Saban. Nick Saban's record against his former assistants, 28-2. and two. Um, Those are both Kirby Smart losses. Right, right. Yeah. So it, uh, you know, this is a Nick Saban guy that in his 16 plus years at Alabama only lost a total of 27 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and six of those came in the first year he was at Alabama. So <laughs> this is a guy that, yeah, knows how to win, knows how to get his team prepared for, for a big game. I think the difference in this one, yeah, Alabama playing at home, but I think Texas can keep it, can keep it close, but ultimately I like the Crimson Tide. To, now to I will it. say Alabama wins this game. They vault to number one. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Huh? Man, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, know. we'll see. I don't know. We'll it see. depends how close it is. If they blow yeah. them out, yeah, I think that they could have a real they, – real, They might get some love. Yeah, yeah, they might have a real shot at it. But, uh, yeah, if, it, if it's a close game, I think they may vault up maybe one spot, but I don't I don't know that they're, yeah, taking – overtaking yeah, that's Georgia. that's true. If the so. SEC love doesn't help <laughs> right. take over another SEC team. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Good point. All right, and then the last game, another seven o'clock game on Saturday night. We got number thirteen Oregon going into Texas Tech. Um, you know, you got to me the things I look at as keys. Um, you got Bo Nix's senior leadership at quarterback for Oregon. Um, Texas Tech coming off a double overtime loss against Wyoming, where they could only muster ninety-three yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I get it. Oregon played Portland State, right? 81 to 7. Right. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, my. Over 700 <laughs> yards of offense. Uh, or, yeah, over 700 yards of offense. Um, but I think I think it was a balanced attack, too, for, for Oregon. And I think their ability to control the ball, uh, Texas, Tech's, Texas Tech's inability to run the ball, and 
I think the only thing Texas Tech has in their favor is they're playing in Lubbock, and it's supposed to be 93 degrees. Right. So, yeah. you know, maybe that maybe Oregon struggles with with the heat a little bit. But I got I I like Oregon to uh, cover six and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah, coming to this thing favored by six and a half after scoring 81 a week ago, mm-hmm. and Texas Tech losing to Wyoming, yeah. giving up 35 points. Yeah. Six and a half is not near enough. This thing's going to get ugly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a Texas team that's coming in to this second week and on on desperation mode because you know in that game that they lost to Wyoming, they got guaranteed enough in lead. They thought, oh man, we're in cruise control. Yeah. We're ready to go. The next three quarters, they got outscored twenty to three. Ouch! And then in overtime, obviously, they got outscored even in overtime. So. Let, uh, him con- let him convert a fourth down and then a two point conversion to win the game. Right, so, right. You know, they, so they definitely heartbreaking loss. They got, you know, revenge or they got, you know, redemption on their minds. So I think that they're going to play, they're going to play motivated in this game, but I think ultimately Oregon, too many playmakers on that offensive side of the ball, Texas tech, I don't think has the ability to, if, if this gets in a shootout, uh, Texas tech doesn't want to want to play a shootout here. I think this Oregon team is way too talented to, to you know, lose in a game like that. So, in order for Texas Tech to win, they got to keep it a low scoring, yeah. make it ugly. But I just don't see that happening with it with an Oregon offense. It looks like it's it's you know got, hitting on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Right, right. right. So I think Oregon wins. I think they they cover the spread and you know move to move to two and zero. All mm-hmm. right. So only one game that we uh, differed on was mm-hmm. Colton and I picking Miami in the in the upset special yeah, there. Yeah. So, well, that's our show for tonight. You know, we appreciate y'all listening in. Uh, you know, it was it was a good time, and you know we're looking forward to the start of the NFL season this weekend. Actually, about five minutes away, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts Colton Cal, Chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week, and you know if you want to hear other topics for future episodes, or you know you got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social media platforms. Uh, we do have an Instagram uh, if you look for Fired Up underscore Podcast. Or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for Fired Up Comma Sports Podcast. And as always, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and just a little bit of information about them. Um, And as always, you can find this episode and all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of. Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So all the big names, you can find our show. So Appreciate y'all listening, and as always, stay Stay fired fired up. up.